All right, hey everybody. Continuing with our uh, Canadian-themed AMA Monster Energy Supercross team managers and team personnel, we are going to grab another one here today. We've got someone else who you may or may not know is Canadian, but uh, we have got Chris Elliott, team manager for the Team Solitaire Nuclear Blast Yamaha Supercross team, who we're going to be seeing in action this weekend at Orlando 2. Chris, hey buddy, thanks for talking with us. Hey man, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Who are you? All right. Well, uh, don't hide it. Uh, <laughs> no, hey, you know what? So I, I think I've told you this on track walk before, but this is cool for me because um, we'll talk about my story a little more. The first thing I ever did uh, in the industry itself was uh, I started publishing content on directmotocross.com, I think like 2010, 2011. See, that's, I know we've talked about that before for sure. And that, uh, that blows me away. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, uh, I remember it, it was, it was it was cool for me to start that, and actually it was I can't remember his, I think his name was Kyle and yeah. uh, Kyle said, hey man, I just wanted yeah Kyle Kyle yeah I said hey man I just I was getting into freestyle content and I said hey man I just want to do some freestyle content are you cool for doing the site he said yeah I go crazy I said all right and then uh, here we are <laughs> that's amazing all right well, hey um I know some of your history but uh, maybe those people tuning in and uh, looking for another reason to cheer for a, a different team down south that has some Canadian uh, Canadian connection to it. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. You uh, tell us where you, when, and where you grew up. All right, yeah. So I was born in a city called Thunder Bay, Ontario, kind of in the middle of Toronto, Winnipeg, around basically nothing. Um, and grew up in a little township called Kaminiskaw. I, like most other kids, played hockey my whole life. I didn't really start racing dirt bikes until around twelve, thirteen. But um, the reason why I'm down here and we'll get to it a little later, is basically uh, I played hockey in California my last couple of years as a junior and met my wife and then uh, headed for sunnier, sunnier cities. See, I like that story. That's cool. So so there's way too many connections here for me to, uh, well, bear with me here. Your name is Chris Elliott. You're from Thunder Bay. The most popular, the most mm -hmm. famous guy from Thunder Bay is Paul Schaefer from David Letterman. Chris Elliott yeah. got his, Chris Elliott got his start there, of course, as, you know, the man under the stairs. Uh, are you familiar with that, Chris yeah. Elliott? Yeah, as if you're not. I, I, well, no. So I mean, every time, yeah. If you like, if I, I've seen it. it he's in a bunch of funny movies, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, 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 I remember him like in like a. I can't remember the movies off time, but I always see him. He, he's definitely you could. He's very recognizable. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, he's been. He was Groundhog Day. Shit's Creek is where he is lately, and uh, but to his. He actually wrote in his own movie. I was a huge Letterman fan back in the day, so I watched it every morning on tape before high school. So um, his big thing was a movie called Cabin Boy, where he actually got Letterman to do a cameo in it. It's a horrible movie, but it's if you're a Letterman fan or and a terrible movie fan, you should check it out. <laughs> I, I will have to say, actually, Ryan and I were just talking the other day. Uh, Ryan Clark. Uh, I'm sure people know Ryan. Ryan writes for a long time. He's kind of my partner in the team, and. We were talking about, like, because he always asked me about certain movies. Like, you've never seen that? I'm like, no, man. I've never seen it. So that's crazy. And I asked him about certain movies. And he hasn't seen them. And he'd be surprised about the difference of, like, even, like, my wife being from California, the movies she's seen compared to what I've seen growing up. But she'd never seen Slapshot. She'd never seen Blades of Glory. Like, some of, like, the staples. I don't know if you've ever seen Blue Bar. Have you ever seen Blue Bar? Oh, yeah. 
So Ryan and I were talking. I'm gonna bring a bunch of movies that I demand him to watch because we're gonna have a lot of downtime at the races on those like the the three race sets where we stay in the same city for a week, and we're gonna definitely trade off watching movies from our uh, our upbringing. That's amazing. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, there's. I mean, we just touched on a few things there that I want to talk about as well. But um, so what brought? What, what I think that's a cool story. So what brought you? You went to California to play hockey. Yeah, so it actually circles back to dirt bikes, right? Okay. So I raced dirt bikes from the age of around, I think, 12 to 18. I was a pretty late start. But um, my last year in 125 Intermediate in the fall, the last race of the year, I did my um, my throttle hand and wristing pretty good. I had to get surgery. I was I was done for a long time. And um, it kind of limited my range of motion, and I, I wasn't really going to race anymore, I didn't think. So I had one year left of junior hockey. And the organization I was playing for sold to – um, a team in Scriber, Ontario. I didn't really want to go to Scriber, Ontario. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I got one year left of junior. I finished two years of college. I'm like, I'm going to go play hockey somewhere. So honestly, man, I, I just kind of shot myself around and, and to some junior teams in, in the Southern States and landed in Sacramento. And, and uh, I, I headed for, I headed for Sacramento. And then, uh, yeah, I joked with my mom. I, I'd find a wife down there and never come back. And I did. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. What's the Sacramento team called? It was, at the time, it was the Sacramento Capital Thunder. It was in the Western States Hockey League. Okay. So, it was, it was, in, it was okay hockey. It was just, it was more or less me having fun. One last year at junior, and I got to, you know, see a lot of the skates, and I didn't actually stay. When I was done, I came back to Canada, and my wife uh, came finished nursing school, and then I uh, slowly started making my way back into the industry um, digitally from a distance before I actually moved back. Wow. So you have any of those crazy hockey billeting stories? Uh, you can't talk about that here. Uh, no, we, we, there was a few of us that actually, well, my roommate was going to college while he was, while he was playing down there. And that's how I met my wife is he was going to school with my wife's friend and, and I uh, ended up hanging out with my wife through that. But now we kept it pretty mellow. We, we had a lot of, not billet stories, but like, so, we would go play like three or four game sets in other cities because there was such far travel. So we'd go to a lot of like the big university towns. <laughs> so like University of Arizona, Arizona State. Then we'd be down by like Long Beach University. So I, that was eye opening. I had a lot of fun at colleges because in Canada it's a little bit different. Like aside from like Western and some other of those bigger schools, but like the um, college experience at some of those bigger state schools in the states is, is something else for sure. <laughs> what <laughs> position did you play? What's that? What position were you? What's yeah, that? I was lazy. I was a defenseman. I was the lazy one in the back. Hey, you don't have to, you don't have to be lazy to be a defenseman. I'm a defenseman. <laughs> I stand by my statement. <laughs> I set up the I set up the team parties. That's what I did. <laughs> All right. Okay. And tip and tip to tip the puck into your own net quite often. It happened. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> okay. So you. You went down to play hockey. You're in Sacramento. Um, back and forth. You went back to Canada. Slowly worked your way back into the states. So, is uh, is your wife from Sacramento, or did she just go to school there? Yeah, she's from the Sacramento area, up in uh, Lincoln, California. So, just um, it, it's closer to the Bay Area than anything, just to give people a reference point. Okay. Okay. All right. And when uh, when what years we talking here? When did you when were you playing hockey down there? Gosh, I played hockey. It was in either like 2007 or 2008. Okay. Yeah. And then I was back to Canada, and then around 2010, 2011, 
um, is when I started getting into kind of writing blogs and that sort of thing. And that's what led me to direct motocross and then eventually to a bunch of other stuff. I feel I'm a little embarrassed right now that the this whole thing loops back to my very website, and I don't even <laughs> it's not even the part that I knew about. I know. Well, it's so, but honestly, it all goes back to direct motocross, and like we'll get to a little bit further. I mean, I was nice enough to let me do it, right? And that was cool. But what was happening was, is I just had too much freestyle motocross content for the website. You just didn't need it, and and it got to a point where, like, at first, I was doing stuff with like kind of Canadian guys and like little, you know, local show guys. And then I ended up with like the Nate Adams and the Bo Bamberg, the Adam Joneses, the Carlos, like the bigger X Games guys. Um, and what it kind of allowed me to do is I'm like, oh man, I got to just kind of start my own deal. Right. So I started FMX news and then going back to Canadian connections, Steve Mathis was very gracious and giving me a lot of tips along the way. And he was always, he, to this day, he's, he's very helpful. If I have any questions, uh, I know sometimes people give him a hard time, but like behind the scenes, very nice guy, very Canadian of him. He's always been uh, super helpful. So when I was first starting out, he, he was like, hey, like the site looks good. You should do this or you should do that. Um, and somewhere, this is where it kind of all clicks, is like maybe a month or two after starting fmxnews.com, Ryan Leva, uh, an editor from ESPN, I guess it's because it's a small niche sport. There wasn't much content out there on the internet. I guess he somehow you know, came across my, my content and he hit me up and said, Hey, how's it going? I like your site. I'm Ryan from ESPN. Uh, keep an eye on you. Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, Oh, cool, man. It's great. Great talking with you. And then he was helpful. Um, and I never even thought like I should have started from the beginning. I've never had any intention on being in the motocross industry. I didn't even think about it. I didn't like grow up dreaming of it or anything. It just all kind of happened. So from direct motocross to fmxus.com, another Canadian connection basically allowed my foot in the door at ESPN. And that is Rex Racing. Do you remember Rex Racing? Yeah, of course. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So um, Ryan asked, hey, like, have you ever thought about doing some product reviews or some testing and stuff? I'm like, yeah, I, I wouldn't even order it again, man. But I'll tell you what, look at this cool gear that I found, and it's Canadian, right? And it was Rex Racing. And he said, dude, this is sick. If you want, do a product report on this, and let me take a look at it, and I'll throw it on the website. I'm like, really? Okay. Long story short, got in, got in contact with Rex Racing, got some information, did a quick little piece on them. Nothing spectacular. I've always said I've never been a great writer. I just, they're always great editors, right? Um, and <laughs> they published it on ESPN, and that was the start of five more years at contributing at ESPN. And it was all, you know, it's not all, but like it was, it was my first ever piece was Rex Racing Canada. Again, it was just, I just always kept throwing in the Canadian into everything I did. It, it was, uh, it was been special for me year after year to always have those connections all be intertwined to get to, you know, to get to this point, whatever that point is. Wow. That's uh, cool. More Canadian, uh, Canadian connection. That's cool. So yeah, and the more I think about yeah. it, the more I do remember you doing a freestyle thing. And I was kind of, I've just never been a big freestyle guy. So I kind of didn't really, didn't really click on it too much, but it's all ringing a bell now. It yeah. takes me a while. Yeah. <laughs> and, and honestly, like it's, it's, I got into it at the end of its probably popularity, which was helpful for me because, Otherwise, I don't know that I would have had an opportunity to write for ESPN. That makes sense. It just it wasn't a very sought after lane. Um, and then when I was in at ESPN, I kindly transitioned into racing, um, which was helpful. Hmm. Nice. Hey, I will say this: you kind of mentioned uh, Steve Mathis and stuff. And for people who don't know, Direct Motocross was started by Danny Bro, uh, Steve Mathis, and a guy named Martin. Whoa, Anthony Martin Cluso. Oh, I'm screwing up his name. Anyway, 
Martin Klutz's last name. Anyway, uh, so I'm just kind of the latest Dread Pirate Roberts, if you get that reference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, Google it's been, it, people. It's been a journey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so that okay, so then you wandered. You're in the freestyle stuff. Kind of kept you in this. Now, how the heck do you get? Uh, for those who don't know, I, I'm going to ask you about this whole solitaire thing because Ryan Clark. I mean, I was I kind of did a little uh, little digging there. I mean, did, did he really start in 1996? I see his first pro race, 125 West. He was 13th. Yeah, he's old, man. He's he's really old. Um, <laughs> he, I think it was 96, and then he, you know, he had some stints with like he had a little trial with Pro Circuit, and he had a couple of those like tier two teams. But um, yeah, he was at it for a long time. And the one thing I'll say about Ryan is he basically did it by himself the entire time. And well, that, was, that's what's was, called believe, solitaire, right? Yeah, yeah. So the name came a little bit later, but I think from the very get-go, like at a very young age, I know that Ryan, uh, when he turned pro, kind of distanced from his parents a little bit and just kind of went out, like nothing bad. Just He basically just said, I'm going to do this, bought a van. And he, dude, he was a dreamer for a long, long time. And he started from the bottom and he went, he'll tell you, he'll tell you the story, but like his team back in like 2000, I think it was like nine or 10, obviously was... um a product of the recession happening, basically his team folded, right? It did it to a lot of teams. But it, it, to, to sit there and have a couple pops with Ryan and listen to him explain, like, from the start to where he actually built that team entirely by himself. It's insane. Um, and uh, and then the, the team went away. He continued to race on a smaller scale for a long time. And I think in 2014, he finally hung it up. But um, it's funny. We were, we were out at a photo shoot and just kind of like – that session a few weeks ago and I always give him crap because he's like, I'm dude, I'm gonna race. I'm like, hey buddy, I've already written a letter to the AMA. You are never racing again. I will not allow it, right? <laughs> but he jumps on any bike we have and he can blitz the whoops just as fast as the other guys. <laughs> Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. He'll jump a triple second lap. He does most of the rhythms. Like he's still it's very impressive to watch. I always give him a hard time because I'd rather give him a hard time than, you know, give him props. But yeah, he still rips, man. It's really cool. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, he, I, I never met him, I don't think, but he always seemed like just one of the nicest dudes for sure, too. You would never. So uh, you've met a lot of dirt bikers over the years, right? If you didn't, if Ryan didn't tell you or you didn't know who he was, you would never in a million years think he rode dirt bikes. If you walked into his house, you wouldn't even know he raced dirt bikes. <laughs> hey, does He's he still just have one hair? of those guys. And does he still have hair? He's got no hair. Okay, I thought so. I, th I thought I remember it was thinning back in the day. I I'm a fellow bald guy, yeah, so no, I, I notice these things. Yeah, yeah, no, he used to have a big old, big old head of hair back in the day in some of the old videos I watched. But no, that's all gone now. Now he keeps it high and tight. So. <laughs> okay, I, I assume so. So just kind of look at his best. Uh, his best finish was a sixth overall, 1999, 125 West. Uh, 450s yeah. in 06, he was ninth in the 450 class. Yeah. And then his final season was uh, 2011. Uh, I don't think he did all the rounds, yeah. but he was 37th in the 450 class, Supercross. Yeah, yeah, he was still hanging on at the point. No, here's the thing, like, people, I always I, I always tell people, like, it, if you compare Ryan's results to, like, a modern-day whoever it is, he's a bad dude. And, uh, you know, he doesn't, he's not, he did, like, he wouldn't even, he'd rather not talk about dirt bikes. That's the funny thing about him. He's just one of those guys that it was what it was, and he's done a really good job transitioning into his career now, and well, not a lot of those guys are able to do that, right? So he's got a he's got a great family, great job, and it just this is something he kind of does now on the side to have fun and try to help guys out. All right, well, he he can get his own podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, I know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, I know. I well, I well, I told him um, 
I'd, I'd like to hear, it'd be a really cool podcast to hear about basically, you know, the start of Team Solitaire to the rise of it and then to the basically crippling of it through the economy crashing to now in this generation trying to build a team from where we started it five, six years ago, right? Because it's two totally different. At one time, there was basically, he was kind of like on the front of like the digital age where he was doing the blogs on Racer Apps. He was, he was doing videos. He was actually, he actually worked with Equibats Records 15 years ago. Okay. So, and, and they really focused on digital content back then. Obviously, it wasn't at the scale it is now, but he was always kind of on that game from the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, he always had that solitaire thing, right? It was the word solitaire was always involved with him for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. He definitely, he was able to brand it. I mean, so it was tricky for us the first, we're, I think we're on our sixth year. So um, I'll jump ahead a little bit, but how Ryan and I met was through, through ESPN, I got friendly with a gentleman named Shane Reese who worked for uh, Metal Militia. Then he left Metal Militia and he was working at One Industry and he had his own digital marketing company. When ESPN dissolved their sports-specific blog, Shane gave me a job with his company doing like random marketing contracts. We did stuff for like One Industries, O'Neill, Sony. We did the Super Bowl campaign for ReflexB, like just the most random things you could ever think of. I was in car racing for a while. And it was basically just like weekend contracts or event contracts. But through that, his company, we picked up a contract with Slayton Racing, which was that Yamaha that we turned into a KTM team, right? Cole Thompson, 2016. Yeah, and that's where Ryan and I bonded and actually said, hey, we could probably make a run at this, was we went on that team and we were both had different kind of roles. Like Ryan was just kind of being a consultant, helping out because the the one gentleman that jumped in was going to kind of help manage the team was out of Arizona. And the team just didn't really go the way it was supposed to. And Ryan and I, you know, did our best and, and we enjoyed everyone. And it was great. But um, we kind of did knew that that team wasn't going to probably go on too much longer. And we kind of had some visions of how we wanted to do things. And he just said, hey, dude, you wanna, do you want to do a team with me? And uh, yeah, sure. And um, the Rockwell semi that you've probably seen at the races the, the you know, last 10 years, yeah. um, that used to be the truck that Ryan used when he raced for Team Salt. Like he had a Team Solitaire team. That was all his old stuff. Okay. So um, the year we were with that KTM team in Thompson, Thompson was already gone by this point. But we uh, we went and had a meeting with Rockwell at Vegas and said, "Hey, is this something that you guys would be interested in? We could we basically run the entire show. We just you know we just need the truck." And uh, you know, Rich and all those guys said, "Absolutely!" Like we worked with Ryan before in the past, and we, we'd be more than happy to do it. And that's how it kind of started for me and Ryan was just from that KTM team with Cole, and then kind of branching out with Rockwell and hitting the road with that truck. Nice and the big bling and uh, the big bling and watches on your timepieces. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. And they've, they're to this, actually to this day, I mean, they're, they're still one of the big sponsors of ours. Right. I think I was in your, uh, I don't know, I don't know what city it was, but I was in the back of that Rockwell trailer with Andy White from FXR yeah. and you guys were picking out a nice watch for him. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're, uh, yeah. And they have now you can customize watches, like you can get your logo on them, like within like five minutes. It's pretty cool. Um, but I think the point I was saying about that whole thing with, with the Rockwell team, um, when we kind of branched it on our own, it was, I mean, Team Solitaire, we, we kind of talked about like how to brand the team itself. And it just made sense to go Team Solitaire. Like it would have been crazy to rebrand it and do something else because it already, you'd be surprised it has a pretty big following 
on its own. Like the messages I get on like the direct messages from people that like Ryan met 10 years ago at like a random parking lot after a race or something <laughs> is, uh, is a daily occurrence. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So how I got asked this. So, okay. We're talking 2016, I guess was that the year we're talking again. That's when the whole, the Cole Thompson, you had a Canadian on your team. Um, yeah. The nuclear blast record label thing. How the heck does that come along? So that is Gerardo, Gerardo from Nuclear Blast, he's the, the, the label manager. Um, he's a huge motocross fan. And he actually helped Ryan in like 2007, 2008. Uh-huh. Um, just did some posters, did some CD samplers, and they always kept in touch. Um, and then when, it go back to Cole Thompson, actually. When we were going to switch, we kind of, Ryan and I started in that team and said, hey, you know, looking for some ways to go. And they had some Yamaha support. and we said, uh, actually, it's Andy White's fault. <laughs> Andy White brought up Cole to us and said, hey, why don't you guys talk to Cole? I know Cole wants to come down here. So we talked to Cole, and it all worked out. We had to, I mean, we switched brands. There were some, you know, some things with Cole and his contract where, you know, they, the way it ended up being, we dropped off the Yamaha, so we went on to KTM so we could bring Cole down. Um, but obviously it had an extra cost to it. And so Ryan reached back out to Jordan and said, hey, this is what we got going on. Would you be interested in jumping on board and kind of supporting us so we can pick up this Canadian? And Gerardo instantly said, yeah, no problem. Um, and then, again, five years later, he's still a title sponsor. <laughs> nice. Nice. For those of you who don't know, Google uh, Nuclear Blast Records, and they are the uh, the record label behind Slayer and Danzig, to name probably their two biggest heavy metal bands, right? Yep, yep, yep. Slayer, so I mean, if you guys have been watching TVs or if, when you start paying attention to the band, you'll see we do we do a lot of stuff with Slayer actually too. They're, some of those guys are big race fans and we've done, you know, custom gear and helmets and bikes at certain rounds. And um, we've been working for the last, honestly, it's been like five years ever since FXR, working on trying to get some sort of Slayer gear into distribution. And uh, it's getting closer. COVID threw a wrench into it, but we're, we're pretty close to going probably like international distribution with Slayer gear itself through the app. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So is Slayer going to be uh, on stage at one of these rounds, or what are we talking here? I'd wish. No. They, <laughs> they, you can't get – when those guys get off tour, you cannot get them out of their house. We did some stuff um, with Slayer. We did a helmet, and we did some of the FXR gear. We kind of – at Comic-Con back in 2018 wow. in San Diego, the big Comic-Con convention. Yeah. They came out. We had the helmet and the gear out at Comic-Con, and we did some stuff. But that's really the only sort of – uh, like at the event activation, you'd be able to drum up. It's pretty hard to get those guys to their houses. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, just before I forget here, where are you actually, where do you live now? I'm in Sparks, Nevada. It's in Northern Nevada, just above, just by like Reno, Lake Tahoe area. Dude, you know what I did a couple of years ago? I was coming from uh, through Denver and I had to get up to San Francisco for the Supercross. So I took Highway 50? Yeah. Dude, I got to the, like, there were dead horses on the side of the road. I got to the end and said, you made it the loneliest highway in North America. Yeah. Have you driven that? No, it's bad. And then, yeah, so that one's bad. And then the crazy part is if you go over, so 50 is boring. It'll just bore you to death. But then 80, the way you get over over the mountains to go into, like, Sacramento area, I could be golfing. And I could leave here, and 45 minutes later, I'm in like in my truck, white knuckled, can't see two feet in front of me because it's a snowstorm. 
Because you leave, you leave either you leave Sacramento or you leave the real Sparks area, and you just basically drive straight up to Donner Pass, which is you know pretty high elevation. And then we're near Lake Tahoe and, and uh, Squaw Valley and all, all those all those places as well. Yeah, but you know what? Okay, so I went everywhere because I wanted the one thing I wanted was a trucky T-shirt. I couldn't find trucky stuff anywhere. Really? Yeah, I couldn't find anything with trucky on it. And you went through trucky. Yeah, I went right through Truckee. I couldn't find anything. It all had Lake Tahoe. I'm like, no, where's the Truckee stuff? Oh, gosh. So if you go if you go to, like, if you were in South Lake Tahoe and you're on that little strip with the casinos, because there's a point where basically you're at a stoplight and it goes from Nevada to California, so it's very touristy, you can't you can't walk without hitting a Truckee t-shirt. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll have to send you one. You're going to have to send me one. Yeah. <laughs> like, I yeah. literally took time Which, out of my day to drive around trying to find one. <laughs> Oh, that is funny. Yeah, I it, it, again, it's, it's I'm not a good Canadian because like I have my two young kids and I uh, I will only go to Truckee in the summer because I refuse to go near snow if I don't have to. <laughs> Crazy. Hey. Yeah. Hey, was Horse Bulow from Thunder Bay? Who? <laughs> Horse Bulow. I don't know who that is. So I think that <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> We have, you know what Thunder Bay has, getting back to hockey? I think, I think we probably still have it. We have the most pro hockey players per capita. Oh, is that right? Yeah, like we had all the Stahl brothers, Patrick Sharp. I think right now there's like uh, Matt Murray, the uh, Senators goalie from Thunder Bay. Uh, Carter Hutton, goalie for the Sabres from Thunder Bay. I think a lot of the Stalls are still playing. Nice. Um, Mackenzie hey. Blackburn, the Devils goalie, Thunder Bay. Dude, they're, they're everywhere. By the way, Horst Bulaw was a ski jumper. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that is. Canada's I remember the Nordic jumper. Games. Yeah. <laughs> That's a crazy sport. Those guys poor knees. Back in the uh, Maddie Nukinen days. Okay, okay, enough. <laughs> hey, um, Thunder Bay, is it Thunder Bay or Sault Ste. Marie that is famous for the, uh, the pancake houses? I think Thunder Bay because there's a large population of um, Finnish people. Oh, it's amazing. Okay, so it was there like then. The, yeah, I went to the one you go, it's like a basement. You go down in the basement and you can serve you the most amazing crepes or waffles or pancakes. Pancakes, I guess it was. Yeah, so one of one of my, I think it's my, it's my wife's cousin. Our family, they own a pancake house that is also a sauna house. Uh -huh. so you, there's the, like the restaurant and then you go up the stairs and there's a bunch of different sauna rooms. Jeez, <laughs> so you have a sauna and have some thin pancakes. Wow, that's that's uh, that's Scandinavian yeah. for sure. All right, Horst Bulow would love it in there. And that's the ski jumper you're speaking of. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm gonna have to Google this guy. I'm gonna have to Google this guy. You cut you you walk down the streets in Thunder Bay and say the name Horst, and I'm sure. Well, maybe there'd be a few Horsts. I don't know, but okay. So what about uh, the MX Culture Connection? Uh, Dave Derringer. Do you, do you know Dave? I don't know him, no. Uh, Dave Derringer, he, MX Culture, and I believe it was Thanos System. So back when pit bikes were very popular, the first time I know they're popular now, um, that was Dave. Dave is honestly just an amazing guy that's super helpful, who's an, an enthusiast of the sport. Um, helps a lot of guys. I mean, if you look at Yamaha, he works for Yamaha as well. He's a, a regional salesman within one of the Midwest regions. But if you look at a lot of Yamahas in the pit area, you'll see a lot of MX Culture stuff, right. like uh, Fender Arches. And honestly, man, Dave just helps everyone. Nice. There's no, there's no other way to say it. He just, he just helps a lot of people. 
very generous, loves the sport, wants to help guys. He has the biggest heart for privateers. And, um, you know, again, another guy just super knowledgeable. So he's, he's always around. And he's been definitely an asset to Ryan and I as we've kind of grown a little bit over the years. Nice. Okay. Hey, hey just to circle back to something I forgot to mention in the, uh, the FMX stuff. Uh, did you know I was actually the Metal Militia rep for BC for a while? No way. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine, Scott Morgan. Really? Was it, huh? That's crazy. Was it Was it through, like, I remember, like, things back in the day was, like, brass knuckle therapy yeah. and and a guy named jason thorne i remember all that yeah when i was younger yeah it was uh scott moynihan hate breed was his nickname <laughs> really hate breed is another band on nuclear Blast's label yeah oh that's right yeah well that was his nickname hey, too, scott. oh man before i forget i want to mention something i'll give you one guess who my favorite canadian rider was growing up watching on sportsnet Canadian rider? How I don't know how old you are. I'm gonna say Ross Peterson, but it's, it's after that. No, no, I'm 34. I'm 34. I don't know, Marco Dubé. Nope. Chuck the Mez Mesley. Oh, Chuck Mesley. Okay. Chuck Mesley. And that machine racing team always had the coolest bikes. They had that no fear gear, those HJC helmets. I think Gold was on the team as well. Nice, nice. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a working man now. He's a family man, working man. Yeah. Oh, so he does. Does he ever go to like? Is he still on? Is he around Ontario and goes to local traps racing or anything? No, no, I haven't seen him in years. Really? Yeah, I, I could be wrong. He always, he's threw, avoid- he always threw. He always threw big whips in the intros. Yeah, there's a chance he sees me first though, so maybe I wouldn't see him. But uh, no, I haven't seen him in years. Yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> All right, I mean, Josh Woods is my second favorite Canadian rider. <laughs> yeah, Josh Woods, the Canadian, huh? Yeah, he's Canadian. I always tell him he's Canadian. <laughs> yeah, we got a few of those people that we've uh, we've we've taken in here and called them Canadian. Neither now that's my here's my segue. Neither of your two riders, though, do we call Canadians. We haven't even talked about your riders yet. Well, first of all, I want to tell the country itself. I every year I've done everything I possibly can to have Canadians on our team. It never works out. Um, but yeah, Robbie Wageman, SoCal kid super fast we've always kind of like watched Robbie because he's always like he's always a step off from the factory guys of those two two guys uh a few years back but uh one of those kids that just you know grew up in the, in the industry his dad was really fast he's mm-hmm. always been around it and he's just got so much talent um and we don't really have to worry about him you know what I mean we always know he's going to be in that 12 to 17 range whether and just in control right and he's always going to put in the main event um and it's our second year with him and just love him, love him, love the family, everything about it. So it's been great that he's national number 69 in your program. Uh, <laughs> national number 93, Hardy Munia. So here's the thing about Hardy. Another great kid. Um, you know, we, we grabbed him after Aaron Taunty from Australia had visa issues. So, you know, not to get too much into COVID, but COVID definitely put a damper on a lot of things within within the racing industry and, and getting international riders over is one of them. And uh, originally we were going to go with Aaron Taunty and Robbie and it wasn't working out. Um, but we got lucky, you know, no one had picked up Hardy yet. He's a very fast kid from the outdoor series and he's ridden a little bit of Supercross, but like he grew up with like racing with like Jet Reynolds and Smoda and those guys. And he did, you know, he held his own against those guys outdoors. Um, it's just uh, bringing him indoors for his first full season. And just there's a bit of a, it's been interesting. So he he speaks okay English, but um, he's from Chile, 
there's been a little bit of language barrier when I when I've hung out with him, but uh, he, he's getting on to it. You know, like we've had him out testing and, and we've been figuring it out slowly and slowly. So we'll see, man. Um, the class is. I don't know if you have you looked at the entry list yet. No, not officially, but I know what riders are missing from the east. Uh, you know, and it's going to be stacked. Yeah, dude. So. You know, I don't think it's necessarily the, like the top like three or four guys that that are that are a big deal because I think like on the coast of just race, I think that like Jet and Christian and um, Colt are probably faster than I think the top two or three guys that are going to be on our coast. It's that tier two team. It's that second like yeah. honestly like eight through twenty. And I, and I think we're running. We're talking about this right It's almost like. So we get a little bit of help from Yamaha, right? Um, and and so do a lot of other teams from their manufacturers. And it's not a lot of help, but it's enough help to where we definitely want the help and we do everything direct through Yamaha. Well, with COVID this year, everything got pushed back a lot as far as production and getting things in. So we didn't even have bikes until the week after Christmas. Um, so I think that was the case for a lot of the other teams, like the GMCs and the AJEs and I don't know about club, but everyone got their stuff really late because I mean, I'll tell you what right now, if we could have, we would have been on the other coast for sure. Um, just from a pure number standpoint, you'd be crazy not to do it. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Cause I, 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 we count, I, when I count the list, I mean, there's 30 guys, there's, you know, there's the five or seven factory guys that you have every year, but then there's probably 13, 20 more guys that are just really, really fast, like Southern California kids or fast kids on those tier two teams that it's going to be a dog fight from just to make main events. To be totally honest with you, so um, I think Robbie and Hardy will do okay. We just want them obviously to try their best, and like our job from Yamaha is, is we just need to be in those main events. So we'll, we'll see. Right now, looking at uh, and if you're, I, I tend to spend a lot of times in the evening going over YouTube and just looking over old old races and stuff. And you certainly, if you go on there, you're going to see Robbie Wageman's dad for sure. You see, uh, you'll see his name come up quite often. But so Robbie last year, he, like you said, he was a 15, 16, 14 kind of guy for sure. That's kind of where he was, yeah. kind of where he was all last year. And then Hardy Munoz, again, I can't say his name without thinking of Wes Kane yelling his name at the Amateur Nationals. But uh, <laughs> but uh, he had a couple, get two fourteenths. He had, uh, and his best was uh, a twelfth in a moto at uh, Loretta Lynn's, the second Loretta Lynn's last year in the two fifty class. So, dude's obviously fast. And again, I've seen him since he was a little kid too, coming up to race uh, the Minios. Yeah. And you know what's funny about him is is he you know he's, he's had help here and there but like he basically he, he runs every he's always run everything stock too like he's had he's had help but he's had a very little help so it's been funny transitioning over to like hey man like what do you want to do with your foot pegs what do you want to do with your clamps what like what do you want to do you want to take some millimeters off your seat do you want to do this do you want to do that he's just like ah I like a stock <laughs> <laughs> so like no dude no let's let's try some stuff buddy because uh, so it's been fun and and yeah he's been. Every time we've gone on the track, he's gotten more and more comfortable, and and uh, we don't know, man. He's kind of he's our wild card for sure. I think he, you know he has the speed, and I think he's going to do well. He just got to you know stay healthy, get some rounds under his belt. And like when we go to places like Daytona, or the Atlanta track, that's kind of where we're kind of rubbing our hands together because he's definitely fast outdoors, and I think those kind of tracks are definitely going to lend well to him, as would like lend well to like a March Banks or a Tomac or something like that, more of an outdoor style setting. Right, for sure, for sure. How old are these guys? How old are both these kids? Wageman's 21 and Hardy's 19. Okay, all right. So they're right there, right there in the thick of things for sure. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be pretty tough. You've seen the entry list, then, obviously. Yes, I've seen the entry. Yeah, yeah. We we I mean, well, you can pretty much get the entry list by watching this first coast go at it. We're like, oh boy, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. No, uh, all all you could do, man, is you could be prepared and just, you know, race. Once so, once the gate drops with nothing, Ryan and I could do anyway. So, right. So okay. So you boys. guys are on uh, the bikes that everybody you know knows are quite fast anyway. So the Yamaha two fifties. What's uh, who's who's yeah. doing up your engines and suspension and stuff? So Graham Bro does our suspension. Oh, okay, nice. We're on KYB. Um, he, you know, he spent some time in Canada, didn't he? Oh yeah, he did. He's again one of probably one of the nicest guys you're going to meet. Smart dude. Oh, oh yeah. Another again, very unassuming guy. And then he opens his mouth about like suspension. You're just like your jaw drops. You're like, wait, what? You know, <laughs> just so knowledgeable, um, so helpful, and 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 just you know, such a good-hearted guy. So he, you know, we test with him, and he takes care of our stuff. He can't. He doesn't really come to the. He used to come to the races when it was wide open, but this year he's not going to come to many. But what we do is we just kind of. We take video and we go back and forth with him throughout the day. And if there's anything he thinks we should switch, um, we'll do it. And that's typically if like Ryan's stumped because Ryan's a pretty knowledgeable guy too. So, um, we can usually just kind of converse with Graham throughout the day with what's going on. Um, and between Ryan and Graham, they could do a pretty good job of, of getting those adjustments made. And then the engine, the engines is kind of a collaboration of, it's kind of like Ryan's brainchild. So Ryan's got most of the development into it. And then he works with race tech. Okay. So we keep it as in-house as possible. And then we have race tech do all the work. Um, within the heads and stuff like that. Wow, that's great. Well, Racetech is a partner here at uh, Direct Motocross, too, so that's another nice connection. Oh, again, nice guys. You go in there, they're all like mad scientists. You just say, what do you think, guys? <laughs> all right, well, hey, um, man, what, to, what, if, okay, so you haven't been, uh, you haven't lived in Canada a lot. What do you miss about Canada? What do I miss about Canada? Okay, yeah. I miss, I miss going to my grandma's house for dinner on Tuesdays. <laughs> I miss. Do you, ever, do you guys have Persian? You had a Persian, right? What? A what? A Persian? You ever had a Persian? Like a Persian rug? A Persian cat? No, like a Persian. It's like a pastry. You've never had a Persian? Oh no, I haven't. Oh, dude. Okay. Well, I'll have to send you a picture or that. I miss Persian. It's like a. It's like a donut with like a pink icing on top. I feel like you never had one. Well, maybe you I have. I just didn't know it was called. Hey, I eat healthy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Man. You're missing out on that. Um, what else do I miss? I don't miss being cold. Um, dude, I mean, it, 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 it's totally different, right? Um, I miss all like, the, there's a lot more one-off restaurants in Canada, if that makes sense. There's a lot of chains here. Not a lot of good like one-off restaurants here. And in Canada, it's all like mom, pop, or more chainy kind of idea. Restaurants, I miss those. Other than that, man, I, I'm all good. I'm all good. Okay. I can wear shorts year round for the most part. Do you gamble? No, I. You know, live in Nevada. If you, uh, if you gamble in Nevada, you'll eventually end up living under a bridge. <laughs> you can because you can you can gamble anywhere here. Like you can walk into you walk into our Safeway. There's slot machines. <laughs> you walk into a gas station. There's slot machines. You know what I mean? There's I've seen I've seen laundromats that are like bar slash uh, casino. It's crazy. Um, and you can't throw, because in Reno, it's kind of like a little Las Vegas. You can't even throw a rock without hitting a casino. There's just no way. So I've, I've, made, a, I've made a conscious decision not to gamble <laughs> because I don't want to enjoy it or not enjoy it. Well, that's, that's, that's probably a wise, wise uh, decision. Hey, isn't it the big uh, outdoor right. classic coming up in Lake Tahoe? Hockey? It is. It is. Yeah, I, I heard about that. They're not, no one's allowed to go up there and watch, but yeah, they're building it on the golf course up by the lake. So. Uh, that should be cool. It's definitely, it's a very nice area. I'll say that. Like, um, for me, it's, it's like, 
it's a 45, 50 minute drive. And it, it sometimes you forget that it's kind of like a world renowned tourist destination. Um, but yeah, it, it's quite beautiful. We go up there a lot in the summer, not the winter. All right. Cause you don't like being cold. No, not going to be cold. <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, Hey man, I know we've been uh, wanting to do this for a while and talking about stuff. So I know, uh, that was fun. That was a uh, good hope. People got a good idea of uh, what's going on. I mean, uh, when we can never get back to watching uh, races again, walking around the pits, maybe we can uh, people walk up and say, hey, Canadian. Dude, we have an open-door policy for Canadians. Anytime. Hey, Ryan loves Canadians. Who's the chef? What's going on with the uh, the food situation in their pit? <sighs> Nothing. You're, ta- you're talking to him. Hey, I'm I'm the team manager. I'm a travel, uh, travel booker. I'm a janitor, and I'm also the chef this year. <laughs> we're downsizing yeah i know we can't it's crazy we um the way it works is we we basically can't have anyone in there uh um i don't know how it's working for like the bigger teams but i could just speak on what we're doing basically ryan and i are good to be there and then for the riders they're allowed one mechanic and then two support staff but through those support staff you have to like include your truck driver you know what i mean and then the actual people working there so um as far as like bringing like a chef in because i know what you're talking about yeah we the one thing we splurge on every year is we just, you know, we try to have like a really good hospitality area and we mm-hmm. bring in a good uh, gym, our chef. And, and yeah, it's, it's going to be, I'm going to go really hungry this year. It's not going to be my tri-tip in the smoker or anything like that. It's going to be probably like turkey sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, I remember, uh, so I remember you're not some mis- good meals. You're not missing anything, man. Don't worry about it. Good, good. Because I, uh, I really looked forward to wandering into your pits uh, when I'd see you and have a great, uh, great lunch or dinner or whatever it ended up being. So so does Andy White. The, I get a text from Andy White every like January sixth when it was day one, even though we're not riding for a second. I say, hey, what's for lunch? You <laughs> <laughs> always want to know what's for lunch and dinner. Him and Carson are always over there. Yeah, it was him and Carson that were in the uh, that were in the trailer looking at watches. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That well, that too. I mean, we won't we won't have any of that this year either because I mean. Um, I don't know if you talk to anyone else, but basically you, we can't have anyone in our pit area. So it's like, there's no activation. It's more or less like if you're walking through a, like a museum, right. And you're like kind of roped off and you can't touch anything. <laughs> that's how the pits are going to be. How I understand is basically you're going to start at one end. You're going to be able to walk through the pits and view things, but it's not going to be like it was where you're able to like, you know, we always, you know, have all of our stuff out. You can touch any products, whether it's helmets from the ad or watches from Rockwell or, whatever our products we have in our activation on any given year, right? There's no more of that either. I mean, we're going there. We're going to set up our, uh, our our tent. And basically, I told Ryan, I mean, we could buy like a ping pong table or something just to fill the tent out. <laughs> maybe a hockey net and some targets, and I can have people come up and challenge me and maybe make some gas money. I don't know. Ask you what that is? What sport is that? <laughs> I actually texted my friend the other day. I said, hey, dude. Every time my daughter say the word ice hockey or ice rink, it just kills me. Because <laughs> you know, when I first came down here, like everyone says, like, "Oh, you play for the ice hockey team." I'm just like, <sighs> "Yeah, but, hockey team." Yeah, but, but last week, didn't you watch the American Football Championships? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I did not. But they, I mean, the roller hockey is really big down in like the southern states. So they they always have to put the ice in front of everything. But my kids say, and it just drives me nuts. All right, yeah, I know. I hear you. I can see as a Canadian. Let's see. That's one thing that'll stand out and bother you. And uh, okay, well, um, dude, I uh, I knew we were gonna try to do this quickly. We we're gonna end up talking and talking for a while. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so the expectations. You're just hoping 
it's a stacked field. You'd love to get both your guys into the main event, but uh, you're not putting any pressure. You're going to have to feel it out and see what's happening this weekend, or what uh, What are the expectations? Nah, we just, you know what, put our guys in the main event, get better every weekend, uh, stay healthy, stay in the game, and just be a good representative for Yamaha and all of our sponsors. That's all we can do. And then the race will play out how it plays out. All right. Well, hey, uh, man, I appreciate you chatting like this, man. We'll have to keep in touch a little more frequently. And um, anything else you want to mention before we uh, let you get uh, back to where you're going? No, man. Just follow us at, at Team Solitaire SX on all the platforms. And, uh, yeah, cheer for us. All right, dude. Well, uh, if things lighten up, maybe we'll see you. Oh, it's not looking good. <laughs> one day. One day. You just let me know which race, and I'll make sure we have dinner ready for you. All right. Hey, it sounds good, man. Well, again, I appreciate your time. Good luck this weekend, and we'll be watching, well, we'll be watching on TV. All right. Thanks, dude. All right. Talk soon. Bye-bye.